0: Earlier this evening, I found myself outside of uh, the, the, the foyer door there, uh, holding a dog, just so, because some visitors were, they'd brought their dog, and we've we had no dogs policy in church for all kinds of reasons, but they wanted to come in, so I, I held the dog, and they, they came in. And then I remember that Bible text, outside of the dogs, and I thought, we really are a biblical church, aren't we? <laughs> anyway, um, all that just to say... Great to be with you tonight, and again, um, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us online, if you are doing so. And um, we're beginning a a series tonight called uh, Contended, and it's really why following Jesus is hard. And um, we've just watched Emma get baptised, and um, for a long time I thought Emma was Scots, but she's in fact from South Africa. I don't know why I thought that, Emma, but I did. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. But we watched you get baptized, and we heard your story. And actually, in your story, you said, I'm a different person from the person that um, I was before I made that decision as that grown-up to, to follow Jesus. And what, what God's interested in, actually, is not better people, but different people, new creations. That's what it's about. And and following Jesus is hard. I, I, you need to know that, Emma. Um, and, and one reason why baptism is a little bit hard is because the whole business is hard. You know, if it doesn't cost you anything to get baptized, if it isn't scary to go and stand in front of a whole bunch of people, if it isn't a bit vulnerable to share your testimony with people, if it isn't a bit definite and maybe sometimes quite scary to get completely submerged in water, then maybe we could just, you know, do a little card, welcome to the Christian faith, you know. But it's not like that, is it? The Christian faith is a journey, it's a walk of discipleship. And it's a walk of discipleship that is contended. And tonight we're just going to reflect a little bit on on how and why it's contended. But we're also going to reflect a little bit on how that journey can be achieved and be a joy. So Christianity it was once said it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's been wanted and not tried. It's as, as if it's not that the Christian life isn't a great life to live it's just that not many people actually live it. In fact Jesus himself said it's a narrow way. And Honestly, we can, we can look around history, we can look around the world, and we can see some exemplars. We say, yeah, they look a little bit like it was meant to look like. But honestly, the bar is pretty high because Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said, come and follow me. Jesus invited us to be disciples to himself. Jesus calls us to imitate him. And, and the great apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I don't know if you've ever thought much about the life of Jesus, but it's a pretty high bar, isn't it? And so I just want to say right at the very beginning that to be a Christian under your own steam is impossible. Great, virtuous, gifted men and women throughout history have tried to do it. Leo Tolstoy, you know, absolute genius someone who really loved and admired Jesus, someone who tried to live out the Sermon on the Mount, failed. Because he hadn't done it in the power of the Holy Spirit. He'd done it in the power of Leo Tolstoy. He'd done it in the power of trying to to work really hard and get slipping up like having affairs with his maidservants or whatever. You know, It's kind of like he he just couldn't do it. Because it's hard, following Jesus. And the first reason why it's hard for me to follow Jesus is there's somebody in my life who is a bit resistant to the things of God. His name is David Mitchell. You know, actually part of me finds it hard to follow God because part of me is a bit of a rebel. A part of me wants to be the center of the universe. You know, we're we're all in a bit of a civil war, aren't we? And the Apostle Paul wrote about that in, in Romans chapter 7. I don't know if that... That's possible to pop up on the screen, but I'm going to read to you anyway, and you can trust me, because I've got a real Bible here, none of your phones. And it, it says, um, I know what good is. I know that good itself doesn't dwell in me. That's in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. And I reckon... 99% of you have identified with that sometimes. Have you? Give me a whoop if that, or a yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, that's the first obstacle to follow Jesus. We know the bar's high, but we say, that's a great bar. I would like, you know, that's where I want to go. But the problem is me. Part of me is really resistant to this stuff. And that's why we talk about this dying to self, this Acting out a kind of death that Emma has done in front of us tonight. It's kind of saying she doesn't just want a bit of a nicer Emma, someone who's just a little bit kinder, a little bit more peaceful, can navigate life a little bit more easily. It's a brand new Emma that goes after. And so it's letting the old die and the new rise up, this time in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say the first step of discipleship on that way of discipleship is yielding to God. And admitting that we can't live the Christian life without his help. One of the things I, I used to, to do with my life, I used to run a, a day centre for homeless people. And, and quite a lot of the people that came in were people in recovery. And it might be that some of you watching tonight or here in the building, people in recovery. And I just want to say I have just got the deepest respect for the 12-step programme. And for any of you who's, who knows the 12 steps, you know that it's actually a bit of a discipleship pathway. It's, it's a path to to becoming, to getting rescued really from something that's too strong for you. And the first step that you take in recovery is admitting you're powerless. It's what it is, it's saying, I cannot do it. I can't get free from my addiction. I can't get well, I can't get sober, I can't do it. I need to admit that I'm powerless. And that opens the door to, to the, the, the higher power coming into your life to help you. And if you want to follow Jesus, you need a higher power. And we know his name. His name is Jesus. And we know what he gives you to help you follow him. It is the Holy Spirit. And you know, back there in the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people said, look, what can we do? We've really convicted. We've messed up badly. In fact, we've colluded with all the powers to put Jesus to death on the cross. As Peter preached... So they were cut the heart. What can we do? They, Peter said, repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Admit, in other words, that you need help. Be baptized. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children's children, for all who are far off, for all who the Lord will call. And that's why we prayed for Emma to receive the Spirit tonight. She's already known the Holy Spirit in her life for sure. But it's a a refilling that can go on and on. And honestly, if we're going to live the Christian life today, we need the, the Holy Spirit today. If we need the Christian life tomorrow, we need the Holy Spirit tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit is like a spring of living water. But we need to go on being filled because we leak. We do. Every day we can lose that fullness. But God wants to fill us up every day. He has the power to do that. So the Christian journey is a walk of dependency and vulnerability to God and asking him to keep filling us. And one of the big dangers of Christianity is we start to think, oh, we've got it nailed now, the Christian life. Oh, yeah, I've got these rhythms and habits. I've got this superficial lifestyle of Christianity. I know the language. I can say the right words I can come to church and and I can join in the songs. I can even lift my hands and worship. But really, I'm become in charge of my life again. And I'm I'm not really depending on God. And that's why often it's trouble that gets us praying, you know? And we just need to get praying before the trouble happens. (laughs) And if we are going to get into trouble, let's get in trouble for the right things, not the wrong things. And that leads me to my second point. Following Jesus is hard because there's a current in the world that flows against the current of the kingdom of God. Our culture, the culture that we all live in, is only partially like the kingdom of God. You know, there are good things in our culture. I think it's amazing to live in a time where there's so much opportunity for creativity I think it's great to live in a, in a culture where there are human rights that people acknowledge. I think it's great to live in a, in a, in a culture where there's a, a rule of law and a, and a heart for justice. But all those things are actually gifts that have come from Christianity. In Christianity, the teachings of Jesus, the, the, the presence of the church in Christendom has changed our culture. And we can take it a bit for granted. We can just think that's because we're enlightened but so much of the profound values in our culture come from faith, ultimately. But we're at a time in in our history where there's lots of things in our culture which actually are anti the kingdom or subvert it. You know we We live in a time of radical individualism rather than seeking the common good and servanthood. We we live in a a society that has embraced capitalism, so money for many people is a God and an idol. And the pursuit of success can be at the expense of the poorest, rather than a a culture that serves the poorest. We we live in a a culture that says, part of my human right is just um, sexuality for my pleasure at the expense of other people, the image of God in other people. There's a whole range of things in our culture that make it really hard to, to, to live for Jesus. We, we, can, um, we, can, we can be, you know, as, as Christians, as we talked a couple of weeks ago about sacred, about the body, how we honor the body that's made in the image of God, and we honor it in ourselves and other people. We, we, we can be really casual with all that. Actually, the sanctity of human life has been diminished in our time, I think, in many ways. And so if you're going to be following Jesus, you will find that you'll be invited to participate in culture or to embrace things in culture that will sometimes hurt your conscience, sometimes make you socially um, unpopular or seem weird. You will be tempted to pursue idols, to pursue things that will take your eyes off God. You will get excited about the wrong things at the wrong time. And some of those things will be in, in radical opposition to this kingdom life that Jesus modeled so effectively. Jesus lived counterculturally in his own life. His kingdom was an upside-down kingdom. It was a surprise to people. It meant actually the way of Jesus was resisted by his own culture because they felt it was too hard. When he says to a rich man, sell everything and and give to the poor, it just confounded itself. What What do you mean? Surely poverty is just not a good thing. But Jesus actually said, but being ensnared by riches is a worse thing. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, he said. So following Jesus is hard. So following Jesus is difficult because of me. Following Jesus is difficult because of things in the world. Not the creation itself, that's a beautiful gift of God, but things in our worldly systems that, can, that are anti-God, really, anti-kingdom. And actually the Bible speaks too about Another kingdom that the kingdom of God is in conflict with. And the Bible s- sees behind the worldview that we all hold of this kind of material world that we live in. And, um, you know, we, we just, you know, we go to work, we eat, we drink, we, you know, we have our hobbies, we have our friendships, we, we, we have a good laugh. We, you know, we, we go on the net and watch stuff and uh, and, and light that's life. The Bible speaks of um, a coming kingdom age that's breaking into our world through the Holy Spirit. It speaks of a God who loved his creation so much he sent his own son Jesus Christ to become incarnated into, to to speak into the lives and souls of men and women and to call out a new humanity. And it also speaks of a, a power of evil that actually is rampant. In In fact, Jesus described the prince of this world as Satan and implied that there are spiritual forces kind of in in this kind of sphere that we live in that we're ignorant of most of the time, but are resistant to God. Forces that want to dehumanize human people, to spoil the image of God in men and women. Forces that kick back against the, the powers of goodness and justice and love. And in fact, in the New Testament, you see Jesus encountering that kingdom all the time. Doing things like driving out demons, for sure. But also encountering opposition from all kinds of people. And that when Jesus does something good and powerful in kingdom, there's often a kickback, a resistance. And you will find, if you try to live for God, there will be a resistance. A kickback. Something that is coming against you with force. We are not in neutral ground. And back in the day, you know, a century or two ago, it would be familiar for the church to talk about the dangers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But that's what I've just described to you. That's what I've described to you, is, is the context in which we live. And that means, if, we are, if, if we're just trying to do this as lone rangers as Emma said, just doing it all by ourselves. Without community, without God's Holy Spirit, we we won't have to do anything negative to find that there's an entropy creeping into our faith. It's like you leave some iron outside, it'll get rusty all by itself. You leave a Christian outside, and they'll get rusty all by themselves. Life will make us bitter instead of better. Life will make us cynical instead of faith-filled. Life will make us more possessive over our things rather than more generous over our things. Life can squeeze us and take away the potential for us to look like Jesus Christ and narrow us into a cliche of a human being. At its worst, it can profoundly dehumanize us. But the life that God... Causes us to follow, isn't something we do on our own. And the two antidotes, to that rather gloomy picture that I've described of following Jesus heart. By the way, I, I meant to read you a verse from um, the book of Revelation. I'm going to read to you now. This is the, the apostle John who, who wrote the book of Revelation. And he starts his letter, it's verse seven. He says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's a great invite, isn't it? Come and join the church. Come and follow Jesus. Come and be a Christian. Come and join in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance. I guess I didn't mention just that around the world today, thousands, maybe millions of Christians are experiencing the pressure of active persecution. We're actually identifying as a Christian even in nations as, as kind of tolerant in our minds as, as India, could get you shot or put in prison or limit your career choices or be deprived of the sort of state aid that people otherwise would receive. Persecution is also a fruit of following Jesus. That's hard too. So there's lots of ways in which following Jesus is hard. But Jesus actually said this towards the end of his life as he was going to go to the cross. And he said, In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I mean, that, that's the promise of Jesus. <laughs> In this world, you'll have trouble. You know, if you like promises, I, when I was young, we had these kind of promise boxes you could kind of. Lots of little scrolls of paper, and you just take one out and read it. It's a a promise. I never got that one. (laughs) They may not put that one in. In this world, you'll have trouble. But um, take heart, I've overcome the world. How did Jesus overcome the world? Well, first of all, when Jesus was himself baptized, the world, the flesh, and the devil (laughs) were presented to him as temptations. When he was baptized, he was driven into the wilderness and there he was tested and tempted. And, the, and it was kind of the temptation was, you know, actually this kingdom stuff, all these kingdoms I'll give to you if you'll worship me, Satan says. Turn these stones into bread. Feed your appetite with, just do a miracle. You know, throw yourself down from the heights and you'll do something spectacular. It was all about, don't go the way of the cross. Don't go the hard way. Go the easy way. Don't go the hard route. There must be an easier way. And and so often that's that's presented to us. Does, is there an easier way of, of uh, following Jesus, of, of, of getting to heaven, or whatever it is? Jesus overcame the world because the world, the flesh, and the devil had no hold on him. Do you know in John's Gospel, uh, he's just about to, to go to his death. He's being betrayed by Judas. And he says, now the prince of this world is coming, but he has no hold on me. In the garden, when his flesh is saying, is there another way? He says, not my will, but your will be done. When people try and make him king, he just walks away from them and they leave him. He says hard things to them. He will not be seduced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. He says, Father, your will be done. And the Father says, I am going to glorify you. Jesus overcame the world. And he overcame the world when he went to the cross and and gave himself. And it felt like he walked into a trap. But actually, the one that was trapped were those powers of evil. Because the legal right of the collusion of human beings with powers of evil was broken there and then. Because one who was worth the whole human race for all time took our place. And gave himself for us so that we could walk free from those powers that are too strong for us. And more than that, through that exchange where Jesus gave himself in our place, he now gives us his Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, dwells in you. And the world is overcome as the Spirit lives in us. And what does the Spirit do? Well, so he starts to change us from one degree of glory to another. He starts to produce in our lives the spiritual fruit so that we're growing and becoming all that we're going to be. No doubt there's work to do with the other side of the grave for lots of us. <laughs> but it's happening now. We're taking eternal life right now. We're becoming all what we're meant to be right now. And the very hardships of this life, rather than spoiling us, sometimes make us. It's no longer something that defeats us. Suffering no longer makes us bitter, it makes us better. Because we're not suffering on our own, we're suffering with Jesus. And He helps us in our weaknesses, and He helps us when we're tempted, and He helps us to say yes when there's a hard choice to make. And when we say no, or when we fail, He picks us up again. And I've got to say, He's done that to me so many times. I have failed to keep my promises to God so many times. And he's picked me up so many times and keeps giving me the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I say, God, you're still using me. Why would you do that? And he says, I love you. You're my son. I made you my image. I'm good at cleaning up messes. I'm making you for eternity. I've not finished yet. Receive my Holy Spirit. And, and I, I do. And it's actually, it's wonderful. And it's, it's just a, such a moving privilege to see God in my life, loving me, and see God using me in spite of who I am. And that's your privilege too. That's your invitation to partner with God in being a minister of his kingdom. So you have the Holy Spirit. We'd love to pray for you tonight to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you need more of that, if you need that, for sure. Another thing he's given us actually is the church. Because discipleship isn't meant to be something we just do on our own. The best word for discipleship probably is apprenticeship. And when we're apprenticed to Jesus, we're also apprenticed to other people who are apprenticed to Jesus, but a bit further down than us. And they walk with us and they, they teach us, sometimes they admonish us, but it's great for us to have people who are helping us. And here at is we really want to value mentoring and apprentice learning and And if you're part of our small groups, or if you've, 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 we'd love to help you find a mentor to help you in that Christian life. And uh, whoever you are, maybe you could be a mentor for someone else. You're a bit further down the road, but you could apprentice them too. And it's great to have the community of the church. Let me just read to you about this first church in the book of Acts. You know, it was pretty tough for them. Jesus has has kind of gathered a little group. There's 120 by the time he's died. And and, um, he said to them, so the Father sent me, I'm sending you. <laughs> Off you go. He said, um, go to all nations, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and he's been put to death, and, and the, the world of this day is cruel and powerful. They're a tiny minority, but he says, don't go till, you've, till you receive the Spirit. So he gives them the Spirit, and he gives them one another to be a community that builds one another up. So this is what the early church looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Eden Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So, as I finish, over the next few weeks, we're going to give you some tools for discipleship. Next week, we're going to give you five tools that will help you follow Jesus with the Holy Spirit in your heart, with a will that conforms to Jesus, with some tools to to use with other Christians in a fellowship, you will be somebody who is able to walk that path of discipleship. It will not always be easy. But in the process, you will shine. You will become the person that God always wanted you to be. You will be transformed from dust into diamonds. That's what God loves to do. God can take dust and breathe on it and turn it into a living being. He can take you and breathe on you and transform you. He really wants to do that. But don't be surprised if it's hard at times. Don't be surprised if you fail at times. But let's support one another be real about that. It's okay. You're, you're not alone. You know, we, we, we don't want you to have to wear the badge when you come to church and, and not admit that you're struggling with your mental health, with your sexual life, with your anxiety, with, with your, your work... Pressures, your little ambitions, with the with the relational breakdown with your friends or family or your partner, or anything else like that. You're a follower of Jesus, and you're human, but He's on your side. He wants to make you be all that you can be. So I'm going to pray, and then, um, honestly, tonight I want to make a couple of invitations. First of all, I don't know if tonight you're here as someone who's been seeking God, who's on a bit of a spiritual journey who've been, like, making a step. I acknowledge that I need help. If tonight that's you, and you tonight want to take a brave, courageous step, I would love to invite you to find me or one of the other team here and say, I need God in my life, and I want to follow Jesus. I would love to help you do that. We'd love to actually pray with you And help you articulate what it means to welcome God's spirit into your life and to pray for you. I think the second thing I'd love to do tonight would be to challenge people who recognize that you've been trying to be a nicer person and a bit of a better person, but you've been a bit half-hearted about your discipleship. It doesn't really work too well. It's kind of a bit of an all-in kind of thing. And if you say, I I really need to recommit myself to being all-in tonight, then I'd love to pray For you too, and I guess we'll have a ministry time. Nigel explain how we do that. I think. Will you do that, Nigel? Okay. So Nigel will do that. But I'm going to just pray for us all now before I hand back to him. Thank you so much for listening in a very patient and mainly attentive way. (laughs) Father God, as I as I stand here in front of this um, group of men and women, many of whom have a history with you that is something which is gives you joy. I want to pray that for each of us, Lord God, we would be able to offer you our lives in spirit and truth, all of us, to say no to our old way of life, to say yes to the new way of life, and to walk with you on this journey of faith, and that when we encounter the obstacles and the pitfalls, when we get messed up and when we mess up, will you heal us and restore us? But Lord, we want to walk with your Holy Spirit. Will you keep filling us with your Holy Spirit? And help us to live that life of dependency where it's all about you. And, and tonight, if for you, you want to take a step of discipleship, a great thing to pray is something like this. And I'll pray it slowly. You can't, might even want to pray it in your own heart and mind. And repeat those words after me in your head. God, I identify with the struggle. I too do things I don't want to do and don't do things I do want to. I can't keep my own moral code and, and let alone yours. I need grace. I need help. God, thank you that when Jesus died it was for me so that I could be set free from the powers that are too strong for me and come to know you as my Father. I choose to open my life to you to make Jesus Lord of my life. Please give me your spirit. And I come to you as a child now. Amen.